Thank you for joining us in The Me Suite. I'm Donna Peters. At the soul of The Me Suite is the conviction that we should run our own personal lives with the same discipline that C-Suites use to run the companies we most admire. The C-Suite wakes up every day focused on three key decisions. Number one, are we living the core values? Number two, is everything humming smoothly day to day? And number three, how do we stay fresh and relevant for the future? We should run our own individual lives no differently. What we value, how we make others feel, how we operate, how we make and spend money, how we stay fresh and relevant, all are decisions we should be making about our own lives. You get the idea. We each need a C-suite mentality to run our own lives. We each need a me-suite, a source of power for the life-minded. Let's get in there. On this episode of the Me Suite, we will focus on the role of the Chief Information Officer or the Chief Digital Information Officer, CIO, CDIO, and what mindsets and disciplines we can be learning from that role that would be helpful for us in our own personal lives. And to that end, I have asked Mike Mullinchuk to join us. He has spent his career, dedicated his career, to advising executives in all topics related to IT and digital. And what I love about Mike is that he never leads with the technology. And many of you may have heard the concept of right brain, left brain. There is some science out there that believes that we have right brains and left brains and that we're, they're very separate and we have tendencies to be more creative or more logic and mathematically oriented. There is also science that debunks that concept, that there is no such thing as right brain, left brain. Regardless of the science that is still fighting amongst themselves, the reason I really like to bring Mike into discussions is because I like the Mike brain. Mike does a really good job of thinking both right brain and left brain and bringing very creative solutions to what can often be just a technical topic of IT. So I think we're going to have a lot to learn from Mike and his approaches and deep experience. And welcome, Mike Mullinchuk. Hey, Donna. Thanks so much for having me. So, Mike, because I am sure that you have by now downloaded all of my podcast episodes, you know that I like to start my interviews with core values. And yes, they're all fantastic. <laughs> thank you, of course. It's the rudder of the ship. And uh, please share with our listeners your core values. Sure. I, beyond sort of the motherhood and apple pie, I, I guess I would, I would think that I, core values start with being a, a team player when it comes to the family or the group that you're part of. You really need to understand your role and execute against it. And I think understanding your team and your role in it is, is, is a core value about how you bring the best to what you do. I also try to find the adventure in the everyday. I think the word adventure means a lot to me personally. It, it excites me. It, it takes me from maybe being anxious about something to actually being excited. And so I reinforce the word, find the adventure, Mike. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I, I tend to do in, uh, in how I approach things is thinking about sowing my seeds now so that I can reap them later. Um, I always like to feel like I'm putting energy and effort and and strength into something now, um, because I know that later on it will grow, it'll mature, and, and I'll be able to harvest it into something that's fantastic later. And maybe that's a way that I get over my procrastination or get myself out of bed in the morning. But, um, you know, to me, sowing with the intention of reaping later is, is what I like to do. That's terrific. Does that and seem I, to make sense? 
It does. And I like the, the team player one I have certainly seen in our work life and even in the way that you operate in your own family, the father of three boys and the contributions that you make in Boy Scouts and sports, et cetera. I, I definitely uh, see that in you. And I love the adventure challenge. I'm going to have to think about that one. That's a good mindset shift word. Yeah. Yeah. You said, I don't know. That's just a personal word to uh-huh. me. Adventure somehow changes my my view on things. Um, if I'm nervous or anxious, it's, it's an adventure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So I selfishly brought you here today to talk about the CIO role, the CDO role, and you can help educate us on how those roles are evolving but I'm really interested in your perspective. You've been around companies a long time through a lot of innovation and evolution of technology over the years across multiple industries, multiple geographies. I would love for you to just riff with us a little bit on what would it mean to have a me-suite mindset and a CIO for the me-suite? How should we be thinking differently about technology in our lives? Yeah, great. Great question. I I might start with um, you know the, the CIO, the Chief Information Officer, as it's known, or as you said, a real popular um, sort of movement is to combine that CIO and incorporate the word digital into it to say that there's a Chief Digital and Information Officer, or CDIO. This role, but the first thing to take away from this role is the fact that they don't actually have technology anywhere in the in the in the term. Yeah. Right. It's about information, and it's about Though that you may think of someone as being technical, it's about the value, bringing the value of information to the business leaders and the other people in the C-suite. And so this person's role is really about, you know, how do I, how do I enable the business? How do I bring information and value through technology or all of these other ways to make sure that the business functions sort of in excels? And so that, that role, I think, needs to transcend beyond just the word technology in it. And when I think about, I reflected a little bit on some of the CI CIOs, CIDOs, CDIOs that I've interacted with in the past, these folks, the, the good ones, in my opinion, uh, really balance between these two worlds, um, partly a plumber and partly a fortune teller, right? Like their, their role has to do with making sure that, that the plumbing and the inner workings of the business and information and technology are all working every day, every minute, every second, 24 by 7, you know, around the world. And at the same time, they're brought into meetings and people are giving them challenges to try to help predict where's technology and information going so that we can have a competitive edge. And so the best ones, in my opinion, sort of balance between the, you know, keep, keeping the organization running and the pipes flowing to, um, you know, being able to, I guess, read the tea leaves, so to speak, and give people some ideas so that they can set the right agendas. So to me, that's this challenge of this role is, is sort of these two different aspects to the job and how they, they have to walk into the room and sort of command sort of the, the idea behind both of these, these types of roles. Yeah. I, I like the way you bring some imagery to mind of be the plumber, be the fortune teller, really simplifying the concept for us. What would it mean in the me suite to be the plumber, to be the fortune teller? I guess on the plumber analogy, um, the one that, that, that I, I think about or really like is people think about information sort of like water, um, somewhat like if I need information, I'll go to the drinking fountain, I'll turn it on, I'll take a sip, and you know my, my thirst will be quenched, and then I turn it off and I, I go about my day. And I think that that's actually the wrong way to think about it, right? And the plumber needs to be someone who's sort of bathing in all of this water, all of this information that's flowing around them and helping to channel and direct the, 
the, the water to all aspects of the business and making sure that the information is flowing and, and coming through sort of the walls and the tubs and the sinks and, and everywhere and, and being able to predict, you know, how does this information need to be diverted? How does it need to be sort of consolidated? Um, how to keep it clean? How to, how to make sure that it's not overflowing and where there are blockages, how to, to open them up? And so the plumber needs to be the sort of the person that's thinking about how to direct this water throughout the whole organization in a way where really people can get access to it throughout all parts of their day in ways that maybe they weren't anticipating rather than just, you know, turning on a spigot. And I think that that's, you know, the organizations that I've been a part of that I've seen that do this particularly well have, have this flow to information, how it's shared across different departments, um, how the information is actually joined together or consolidated together to maybe give a picture that nobody had even asked for, right? Rather than, you know, just to fill my order or give me the piece of data that I need. Um, and a lot of times technology needs to sort of be able to help foster that as there's new information sources sort of exploding each day, um, each week, mm-hmm. the businesses are, are there. And what is the analogy for that, maybe even in your own family? Do you think of ways that you are taking those lessons and plumbing at home? Yeah, I think it does. Uh, it applies directly, and I think it comes back to this idea that you can't just turn on information or technology to support your family goals or um, the plans that you have. Actually, I think a, a unique aspect of technology and information is you almost can't control what comes in your house. Yeah. If you think about sort of holiday seasons and other things, you get gifts, and uh, or, or your kids bring home a, a new piece of technology almost every day, and you can't control it. Right? You almost can't stop it at the door and say, nope, I'm not allowing that in mm-hmm. um, as easily as, as you would want to. And so you have to almost understand what's coming through the door, figure out how it needs to be connected, what's appropriate, what needs to be secure in that side. So just getting to know not only what if you get a gift or you get a, a new watch or something like that, what's the technology that comes with it, but how am I going to connect it? How am I going to use it in my family? Um, is that something that needs to be added and, and blocked or managed carefully? And then if other people are bringing things in exactly, you know, how, how are we going to manage that as a family? Yeah, that's tough. I know fairly recently I got introduced to an app that changes your face and, you know, makes you look silly and funny. And I got all excited about it and was sending friends these different weird images of myself. And then two <laughs> days later learned that it was uh, voted the number one spy app in the universe. So my my data was being used out there in some uh, sinister manner that I was just completely blind to just because I got enamored with the technology that came into my home. Yeah, so. right. I think that's going to be that's going to be the case from here on out right? mm-hmm. um, is is that. And that's why I think it's so difficult to do proper vetting and understanding of everything before it comes through the door. It, it's um, I think probably like you did. Right. Uh, you might have a, a quick experimentation, but you're aware of, of the note or the email or the, the the blog that comes out that suddenly says this is something more than that. And mm-hmm. from there, then you change your behavior, you, change, you, you turn off the app or you change the settings in the app, you know, based on what you need and under, what you read and what you understand. Mm-hmm. What type of conversations do you have with your family about the use of different technologies or the communications, how you need to be thinking differently about communications now that technology is so pervasive across all the age groups inside a household? Yeah. Um, my, so in my family, my, um, my, my uh, wife, my three boys, um, all now who have, uh, are in high school or, or later. So I've actually had a chance to have uh, experienced parenting with them from um, sort of all 
all the ages of, of childhood, the communications, the discussions, I think, change, right? Um, you want to give people more freedom as they go and, and try to get them to learn and make good choices on their own without always having to impose a rule or a set of rules that they're sort of enforced to follow. So the, the things that we found it have worked for us have been to very, first of all, transparency and openness, um, feeling comfortable sharing with, with one another what apps you're using uh, and how they're being used, um, the groups that, that you're part of. Um, and aware, I think that there's there's trust factors involved in all of that, and that's just important to know. And then we try to use many of those same technologies even within our family unit. Uh, we, we have a, just some wonderful uh, ways that we found to communicate with one another, different channels. Sometimes it's, it's you know, sort of direct and pointed. Other times it's, you know, this is what we use to have fun as a family and communicate sort of a, a group that we can post pictures to and, and tease one another about or yeah. share information. So we've actually defined different channels for different things. If mm-hmm. that sense. Oh, that's fun. I, I like the yeah, conversation great. around transparency and trust too. Uh, yeah, it's, um, I think that the boys have been great at, um, at sort of embracing that and understanding it as well. And I, I you know, even down to, to like a good example is just tracking location, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we use an app to track location because we do a lot of bicycle riding as a family and other things outside. And that's important to keep track of um, where people are at those times. But you have to be comfortable to some degree and understand when sometimes that tracking is off. But that doesn't mean that you're up to up to no good, right? Or yeah. monkey business, as my wife would say. So um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is a good... Uh, it's a good thing to balance. Are there any conversations that you have in your personal life or would advise people to have around user experience? I, I think C, CDIOs, CIOs are now charged a lot with thinking about user experience in the technology decisions they make. Is that something that you bring into the house or am I overreaching here? No, I, think, um, I think understanding not only the experiences that work for you, but that work for your family. So it's, it's a little bit back to this this channels idea, which is I know which channels work when I'm communicating to my oldest son or middle or, or uh, youngest or my wife for different needs. And so I use those channels based on sort of the experience that I know that they're going to get the message. They're going to understand the context that it's built within because I know what their preferences are, right? And I think that that's an interesting sort of way to look at it is you need to be comfortable sort of publicizing what are the what's the user experience that I want I use this app for this reason that doesn't mean that you have to use it um, you might use something different because it, it it works more with with how you think or how you work or in the, in the context you know it, I use my computer my laptop a lot and, and my boys use their phone much more right mm-hmm. so even that user experience I think is is different but I'll probably continue to be very laptop centric I would imagine for years to come because of that yeah do you ever have to have deliberate conversations about this is the way it's appropriate to communicate via text versus this is the way we would communicate via email? This is the way we would show up on social media, et cetera? Yeah, we, we've had definitely some of those conversations. I think maybe a little more earlier on as people were, as they started to get access to social media and posting their liking or or those types of things. And I've we've had the inadvertent slip up here or there, right, mm-hmm. where the family sort of rallies to say, was that the right choice? Um, or what did we learn from this situation? <laughs> and But the, it's all been, been sort of in the right spirit. Um, you know what? It, it, it does make me think uh, of, of a good story with my my youngest son. He um, he was elected to be 
uh, his Boy Scout troop or a scout troop, he was elected to be sort of the senior patrol leader. Mm-hmm. Um, this was his first, you know, real leadership position. And, and he had to interact not only with the other kids in the troop, but also with the adults now. Yeah. And um, he, he came to me the one day and said, hey, dad, I, I, I'm, I'm starting to understand this, this leadership thing. I think leadership is the same as sending emails. And he said, is that, is that what leadership means is because now I have to send all these emails to all these adults to tell them where to show up and what I'm thinking and what's going to happen in the next meeting and this and that. And he, he equated to the fact that leadership is now about sending emails. And I said, that's, it's true. And in a very strange way, it's a piece of leadership communication, but uh, it's certainly much more than that. He's, he's quite wise. <laughs> Exactly. Probably beyond his years. And, yeah, yeah. He, he nailed uh, it pretty much. Oh, that's too funny. I think it comes back to you can't control everything, but there are probably very specific areas where you do want to have a strategy. You want to have an approach going in, mm-hmm. because I think if you don't, you're going to get, you're going to miss an opportunity. You're going to get lost. You're going to be, there's going to be some level of confusion. So if I think about the me suite and one of those things that are worthwhile to have a plan or a strategy around, it really is this idea of channels, right? Mm-hmm. How, how do I want to represent self? How do I want to represent and coordinate with the community, which we've talked about? Yeah. Uh, we've touched on security. Like, I think it's really important to have a sense of how you're going to manage and be secure in this world. Everything down from how am I going to do my passwords, right? Yeah. Uh, how should my family do my passwords? How am I going to do my login IDs? You know, there's, mm-hmm. that, that's going to continue to change and evolve um, in, in new and interesting, unique ways. But I think you need a strategy and a plan mm-hmm. to do that. Um, and the, the last thing I could think of that I think a, re- a really important strategy is managing your memories. You know, if I think about the way that I, I, growing up, it was around pictures and all this physical documentation. And I think that's all disappearing in this world. And there's this, this mm-hmm. aspect of how am I going to manage memories when those memories sit in some cloud, some place, this world, right, where I have actually more memories being logged per second than I ever have before, yet I don't physically control or own them in any one space. So having some idea about how do I want to capture and keep the memories that are important to me because I know 10, 15, 50 years from now, yeah. right, I'm going to be able to want to tap into those for emotions. And, and I think that's an important strategy. Oh, that is so, I love that. That's, a, um, that's beautiful advice. I, I think it's very insightful. Mike, in your family, are there specific disciplines that you can bring to life that other people could learn from? Uh, yeah, there's there's a couple. Beyond sort of the standard financial tracking and other things we do on a, a regular basis, mm-hmm. the one that stands out to me that's actually most fun, and, and we get we actually just went through it, is what we call the hundreds list. And we, as a family, we create a hundred things we want to do each year. Oh, and our hundreds list is nothing more than a spreadsheet, and it's color-coded uh-huh. such that when we check something off, it turns green, and it keeps count at the top, and we can track. And now we've been doing it probably for eight or nine years. So we keep track of our hundreds list, and so it's sort of like a resolutions list. Uh-huh. Um, but as a family, we, we meet and review it, all of us, together every month. Wow. And you know what? We never even get close to getting 100 done. <laughs> I think our record is like 56. Right. Okay. Last year was 54. But, you know, we have so much fun reviewing and teasing and, and actually motivating each other to do these hundred things like uh-huh. go ride horses or so and so goes to Quebec or whatever it is, sort of yeah. personal challenges that we track as a family. And um, 
what I found is it's the kids, everybody's asking for, when are we going to do the hundreds list? Are we going to review it? Is everybody home? And we find the time to figure out how to do this. And it just regrounds us uh-huh. in this idea of discipline. And it's maybe back to the word adventure, right? These adventures or desires that we want to do each year. And like I said, we, you know, we love it when we get, when we, we can check something off the list. Oh, I love that one. On one of our other episodes, we interview a chief learning officer and we talk about the need to keep your skills fresh and relevant for the future that you desire to have. And that's probably most significant in this technology space because the, of the rapid pace of change. Do you have any advice for how to stay fresh and out in front of the technology changes? Yeah, I think my best advice would be you need to practice in order to learn how these different technologies will change the way um, you work and live. Uh, And what I mean by that is when you learn a new concept, you hear something maybe you've never heard of before, a way that that cloud interacts with artificial intelligence, et cetera. You need to have then go out and talk to somebody about it, right? Mm -hmm. You need to need to have a conversation with which to test your level of understanding with others and build on that level of understanding. I think too often people just internalize it to say, okay, yep, I know it now. I understand it now without testing themselves through conversation, Mm. speaking, tweeting, whatever it may be. Um, And I think as much as you need to bring it in, you've also got to push it out because I think you learn a lot more when you try to formulate these opinions and thoughts out to others to help them understand. Yeah. I believe that you win the blue ribbon for 100% of the time thinking opposite of me <laughs> when we, <laughs> whenever we had been working together. So I could always rely on Mike to think completely differently about the same situation as I did. And I have really valued that diversity of thought in making situations more creative, thinking very differently, and then making the, the final solution more robust. So I also encourage people to think about in the me suite, who in your life really thinks differently from you and challenges you to think differently because we, we are better when, not, when we're not just surrounded by people who only think as we do. So, uh, so thank you for, for being the uh, complete and total opposite thinker to me but a terrific collaborator. And I, I have learned a lot from that. And I really challenge people in the me-suite to think about making sure that they have that type of challenger in their lives. And thank you for joining us on the me-suite. Oh, it's been fantastic. Thank you for joining us in the me-suite. I'm Donna Peters. Have we got you thinking about your core values and what you're needing in your own me-suite? Subscribe to the podcast. Share your core values with us and visit me on Facebook or at themesuite.com. That's the-me-suite.com. Sweet like executive suite. Themesuite.com. That's the-me-suite.com. The Me Suite, a source of power for the life-minded. <laughs>